0: Our scripture passage today is from the gospel according to Luke. We're in chapter 2, going to be looking at verses 22 to 40. Before we read this, let's pause for a moment in prayer. Gracious and merciful Father, Lord, you have given us these holy words of scripture that you might instruct and lead us in, in the way of life. But, Father, as we come before them, we ask that your Holy Spirit, which inspired first these words, would inspire us again, that as we read and hear, that we may also understand your good and perfect will for us. Bless, Lord, this holy reading of your holy word, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. This is the gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 to 40, Listen now to the word of the Lord. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You know, if you were to look on the uh, the surface of our culture, you might think for a minute that we are addicted to new things, that we love new things, any and everything new. But I believe if you were to look a little deeper, you would find out that we really don't like new things at all. Let me explain it to you. On the surface, if a stranger, someone from another culture, were to come and visit ours and watch our TV and spend some time with us, they might be tempted to think that we are addicted to all things new, and it's true that we do like new things, right? We always are looking for a new movie. We don't want to see the old movies. We want to see something new, something I've never seen before, and we even get upset if they do too many remakes. Like, well, we've done this enough. We don't need a remake. Why don't you give me a new movie. We're always looking for some new music, or to read a new book, or we want to keep up with the newest and the latest fashions. We're not le- wearing last year's clothes. That was for last year. We want some new clothes. We want some new fashions for this year. We always want the, the newest technology, the new computer, the new phone, Right? We want to know what the latest, newest research is. We don't, we don't care what they used to think about this or that. We want the new research, the latest, the most up-to-date, the most cutting-edge. It does look like we're kind of addicted to new things. But I think if you, if you dig deeper, though, we really don't like new things. I'm talking about really new things, radically new things, or maybe a better word for it is powerfully new things. I'll give you an example. Okay, our, our two-party political system, right? Everybody hates it. Everybody hates it. Everybody hates the only options we get or Democrat-Republican options. There's nothing in between. Every year or every election year, we all complain, like, is this, is this it? Is, uh, is this the only choice we get between these two people? Yet how many of us are going to dare to vote third party? Maybe five of you in here might vote third party. The rest of us are going to keep doing the same old thing, even though we complain that we need something new. But we're not going to do it. We all know that we have a very materialistic, money-centered culture, And all of us know that there's something terribly wrong with it. But how many of us are willing to take that daring step to live in a new way? To live in a different way? You see what I mean? I mean, when I'm talking about something really new, something powerfully new, we hesitate even though we claim that we love and like new things. I mean, we can't even get rid of daylight savings. And we know that's a bad idea. Everybody hates daylight savings, but how? We're, not, we don't, we're, not, we're not bold enough to just take that step to do something really new. In fact, I think we're scared of new things, really new things. We're scared of the change it brings. In fact, we're so scared of it, we have a saying to remind us that we should be scared. It goes, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Better the devil you know than the devil you you don't. And if you don't know what that means, what it means is don't trust new things. New things are bad. You should be scared of them. Stay with the old things. They're a lot better. Well, I'm not here to criticize you necessarily for not liking new things or us for not liking new things. There's, There's good reason why we don't trust new things. New things cause disruption new things cause change in our life, and that's not change that we always like. And sometimes if the newness is strong enough or the change is strong enough, it actually can be a little bit painful. It can actually be so disruptive that it could cause something like revolution or civil war or an overthrow of the government. All those all started out with new ideas percolating in our society. You see, new things disrupt the world. They cause chaos, and we don't really like it. Now, this is the very reason why some people had such a hard time with Jesus. Why so many people in his time and his culture did not respond to him very well because here was God doing something new in their life, and this was something powerfully new. See, so when God did this and, he, and something new was happening, this was not like a, you know, a, a new brand of sneaker or a new flavor of potato chip, you know, like spicy, barbecue, lavender, whatever. They, knew come, they keep coming up with the strangest combination. This wasn't superficial new. Okay, this was something really new, something powerfully new. This was God coming into this world and he was shaking things up in a radical way. At our, at our men's group, we're watching uh, The Chosen. And one of our favorite things to do is to shake our heads and say, how could they, how could they have missed Jesus? How could these people with, with the Son of God walking into their life on two human feet, how in the world could they miss him? But if we're really honest, how much better are we at adapting to something new? Are we that much better at adapting to something powerfully new? Are we that much better than they were that if we saw something this strong, this strange, this powerfully new in our life, like the Son of God, how good would we be at adapting to that change? I mean, just think about your own life. I mean, how good are we honestly? At adapting to the newness and the change that God initiates in our life do, do we embrace it do we love it or do we resist it I think more often than not we kind of resist the the big changes the big newness in our life maybe it's our kids growing up and, and we resist that maybe some more than others But a part of us hates to see that era of our life come to an end and our sweet, cute little children growing up to being annoying teenagers and then 20-year-old somethings that we really worry and stress about more than anything else in our life. A lot of us resist the change of getting older. Some of us fight it tooth and nail with every scrap of power we have left in us. Some of us resist the change of just adult life. not crazy about shouldering those new burdens that come of leaving your parents household and taking those responsibilities on for ourselves and then we have all the uncertainty on our horizon today next year i might note to you is an election year and it's already warming up to be a doozy isn't it we know that there's lots of uncertainty on the horizon lots of newness coming Lots of change, and we're pretty sure we don't like it already. So the question a lot of people might ask about here is, okay, if there's newness coming on, is God doing this new thing, or is this a new thing set up by human beings? Is this the newness of God, or is this the newness of man? And if if this is the newness of man, it's not necessarily good. Maybe we should resist it. Maybe it's our job to resist it because this is man doing something new that's not necessarily good and if we want to stick on the side of god we need to resist this change but then well maybe it is god working behind the scenes and we're not sure about it but if it is god then how come so much pain and turmoil and disruption is coming out of this change if it's god who's the one that's doing the change see i think this is actually part of the problem is when we start asking questions like that and start getting involved in these questions like that of trying to figure out who's causing the change, who's causing the threat to our life, where's the disruption coming from, who's at fault here? Because if I can find out who's at fault, then maybe we can find out how to fix it and we can put things back to normal like they're supposed to be, like the way we all want them to be and not worry about all this disruption in our life. See, what happens is we end up focusing on the disruption and not on what God is doing. And we focus on so much on the upheaval and the uncom- how it makes us uncomfortable and how it makes us unhappy that we miss out on what God is doing through that. And if we focus so much on that disruption, Jesus can walk right through your life and you miss him completely. Son of God, walk right through your life, and you can miss him completely. An example of that is really what happened when Jesus came the first time. And, and, we, and we're told about some of the upheaval by, by what, what, what we read today that Jesus was going to cause. See, in a passage today, uh, Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to the temple. It was part of a, a, a ritual of the Jewish faith. That every firstborn male child was holy to the Lord, so you brought him into the temple to be, to be consecrated to the Lord. So, so Mary and Joseph, according to the law, they bring Jesus into the temple, and there's two incredible people there that day. Uh, the first one is a man named Simeon. And Simeon had been given a word by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until the Messiah came. That sometime in his lifetime, he would see the Messiah. Now, Simeon was an old man, so he knew that the Messiah was coming very soon because it had been promised by the Holy Spirit. And also in the temple, there was a woman named Anna. She was a prophetess, and she, had been, uh, she was very old, 87. She was married about seven years, and now she was in her 80s, and she was always in the temple worshiping. And both Simeon and Anna, as soon as Mary and Joseph came and they brought Jesus, they knew something powerful was happening. God was doing something new. And it was not just a little new. It wasn't new, new shoes or potato chip flavor new. This was powerfully new. And it was going to be an incredible blessing to Israel. Because Simeon, he took the child and the Spirit spoke to him. And he says, this is going to be a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory for the people Israel. That was this new thing God was doing, bringing a light of revelation and bringing glory for the people of Israel. And you hear that and you think, well, that's going to be great. It's all going to be great. But there was something else with it too. There, there, there was a disruption that was coming with Jesus as well. And Simeon, he takes Mary aside and he tells just her this. And it's very important. He tells just her this. He says, it's not going to be just all roses and glory here. He says that he is going to be, this child of yours is going to be for the rise and fall of many in Israel. He's going to be a sign that is opposed. And he says he will actually be, there'll be a sword that pierces your own soul. He says he will reveal the hearts of many. In other words, some major disruption is coming. There was major disruption coming with this new thing that God was doing in the life of Israel. He was bringing a light of revelation. He was bringing glory to Israel. But it said he was also going to be for the rise and fall of many. The whole power structure of their religious and political life was going to change through what Jesus did. Many would rise and many would fall because of him. He says he was a sign that was going to be opposed, so many were going to to stand against him because he was here the sign of the peace of God, but many were going to stand against him. He said he would be a sword that would pierce the soul of his own mother. It means he would cause pain throughout his ministry or as a result of his ministry. And through his ministry, he would reveal what was on the hearts of many. A lot of things that people had hidden would now be revealed through through the ministry and the work of Jesus Christ. It's kind of easy to see why a lot of people didn't like him. It was easy to see why so many people resisted him, because here was a new thing that was not just bringing the light and the glory. This was a new thing that was disrupting the world around them. But see, you need to notice that the disruption was not the purpose of Christ. That was what I meant by you pay attention to these words that he spoke just to Mary. Right? See, when he spoke it to everybody else, it was the light of revelation, and it was the glory for Israel. But when he spoke to Mary, he was reminding her that you're his mom, so you need to know these things as his mother. All the difficult things that are coming ahead. This would bring disruption to the world. It wasn't all happiness. It wasn't all rainbows and unicorns coming here with the ministry of Christ. There would be disruption. There would be opposition. And he wanted to let his mother to know beforehand what she had coming. But see, throughout Christ's ministry, so many people ended up focusing on the disruption. Focusing on the rising and falling, focusing on the opposition, focusing on the pain that came from Him revealing their hearts. They focused so much on the disruption that they failed to see the blessing that God was giving them. And so many missed out. So many could not see past the disruption that the Son of God walked through their life. And they missed it. They missed it completely. You know, God does new things in our life all the time. And quite often, disruption follows. Now, to be honest, there, there are parts of our life that need disrupting. I mean, if, if you're like me, there are parts of my life that need disrupting. We're broken people. We're sinful people. There are things in our life that need to get disrupted. Sometimes all we see is that disruption, and yeah, we don't like it. We don't like it. We don't know what the end will be. We don't know where all this disruption, all this change is going, and we have to let go and trust Him. We're not really crazy about letting go and trusting anybody, even if it means God. We don't understand we don't understand why we're feeling this way. We don't understand what's happening to us. We don't understand the disruption. We don't understand the pain that sometimes comes with it. And so we don't, because we don't understand it, we resist and we complain. We doubt. We even wrestle with God. And that's okay. It's okay to wrestle with God. Sometimes that has to happen. It's much better to wrestle with God than to turn, him away, complete, turn away from Him completely. But what you don't want to do is to fixate so much on the disruption and to put so much of our energy and concentration on trying to fix everything that you don't see what God's doing. Because when when, when God does something new in our life, He's not doing it to hurt us. He's not doing it to bring pain. He does it to bring a light of revelation and even to bestow a glory upon us. The pain comes in because we're broken people. We're broken people, and this is a broken world. Sometimes we do bad things. Sometimes bad people do bad things to us. Sometimes good people do bad things to us. Sometimes bad things just happen. That's life sometimes. But in all this disruption, even in the pain, God is doing something new. And all this disruption, Jesus is walking into your life. We just got to take the time to see it. I'll never forget uh, when I was in hospice. It was my first year working there and I'd just begun to see patients. And this one patient, I'll never forget him. I'll never forget the things he said to me. He was a... um, he was a, a colonel in the Marines, and um, he had had a long career in the Marines. Like I said, Marine colonel, tough guy, right? And had a long, lustrous career. He even worked on uh, Ronald Reagan's staff back in the 80s. You know, just a very ambitious man. He achieved a lot and a lot to be proud of. Um, when I met him, he had, he had gotten brain cancer, and by the time I'd met him, it was the end of a very long series of treatments and the, and the doctors had finally said that there was nothing more that they could do and that this brain cancer was gonna kill him. And so he came onto our service for comfort care and um, I was his chaplain. And I went and visited him, he was a great man, very nice man, very warm. And, uh, and one day we were talking though, he looked at me and he said one of the strangest things I'd ever heard. We were talking and he said, you know what? He said, getting this cancer, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Now, my first reaction was just utter disbelief. I'm like, I mean, look, I don't know what's happened to you in life, but I'm sure something better than brain cancer has happened to you sometime in your life. But he was serious. He said, getting this cancer was the best thing that's ever happened to me. So I said, all right, you're going to have to explain this to me. How is getting brain cancer the best thing that's ever happened to you? And he said, you know, I've lived a very successful life. I've done everything I wanted to do. And I was very successful in my career. He says, but all this time in my life, I would never once stopped to understand and to embrace the things that are really important in life. He says, this last year, of my life has been the best. And he was, he was paralyzed. This He couldn't walk, right? And he said, this last year of my life, all I've had to worry about is my wife comes to bring me coffee. We open up the word of God. And we sit and we study together. He says, the first time in my life I've ever gotten to know my God. This is the first time in my life I've ever gotten to know my wife. And man, she's an incredible lady. And he just talks so much about the change that it brought, but also the blessing it came with him. Because for the first time in his life, he had gotten to know his God. And for the first time in his life, he had gotten to walk with his God. And and through that, enter into an intimate and deep relationship with his wife, whom he'd been married to for like 50 years. And he said, in this last year is the first time that he really felt like he got to know her. And he said, in all honesty, if I had not gotten sick, I never would have done this. And I never would have let this happen in my life. Now, I want you to understand what I'm saying and what I'm not saying with this story. Okay, I'm not telling you why people get cancer or that God gives people cancer to teach them a lesson. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that this man found God in the disruption of his life. That even with the burden of a terminal illness, he was able to see the light of revelation and the glory that God was giving him. Now, in a perfect world, there would be no disruption. There would be no pain and sickness that followed it, but this isn't a perfect world. This is a world full of disruption. It's full of pain. It's full of sickness and heartache. And, and you know what? If we wanted to sit here and try to figure out who was doing what and why it was caused, I guarantee you the only thing we would figure out is how crazy we can get. Because you would drive yourself mad trying to figure all of this stuff out. When all you need to know is that whatever disruption happens in your life, none of it, none of it is strong enough to stop God from doing amazing things in your life. None of it is strong enough to even stop God from blessing you out of that disruption and out of that very pain that we experience. And what you can't do, What we can never do is focus so much on the disruption that we fail to see what God is doing, that we focus so much on our worry, so much on our anxiety, so much on this power struggle to try to keep things under control, so much on our desire to fix things and make them just like we want them, that Jesus walks right through our life, and you miss him completely. we got a new year starting tomorrow, actually starting tonight. And there's going to be changes. New things will happen. You're hearing it from me right now. You can't be surprised now when it does. You're hearing it from me right now. New things are going to happen. And not all of it is going to be good. Not all of it is going to be from God. Let's get ready for a year of disruption. It's inevitable. It's coming. But none of it, none of it that's going to happen will be so strong, will be so powerful, will be so overwhelming that you can't find God in the midst of it. None of the disruption and upheaval that is coming this year is going to be strong enough that it can overshadow the blessing that He is going to give you this year. i say we make a resolution this year. We make a resolution to look past the disruption We make a resolution to be still and to know our God. We make a resolution to step back even in the turmoil and the storms of life to step back and to see where God is moving and to see where God is acting. The Son of God is going to walk through your life this year. And believe me, you don't Want to miss it. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.